Good morning. Hello. Welcome, my What If Project friends. It's amazing to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is episode number 13, and uh, we're calling it Sometimes Guys Like Moses and Elijah Got It Wrong. (laughs) I love that. Sometimes guys like Moses and Elijah got it wrong. I will explain in a minute. Um, it's early. It's Saturday morning, 6.30. Um, I got to be at work at 9. Worked until 9 o'clock last night. The quick turnaround days are rough in the retail world. Um, holiday time at the Apple Store is in full swing. The mall is packed. The store is packed. Santa Claus is there. The Christmas tree is up. Um, Starbucks red cups are all over the mall. Um, it is definitely holiday time. Jingle Bells is playing like every other song in the mall. And uh, I'm ready to jump out a window. It is crazy, crazy town at the mall. Um, but hey, it's all good, all good. Uh, school is uh, doing well. I mentioned last week I had a few more papers to write. I now have two more. So uh, one more book review or book summary, I should say, to write. And um, then I have one theology paper on the book of Mark. And it's a 25-ish page paper. And uh, then that's it. That's it for the class. And uh, hopefully edit my dissertation in the first few weeks of December, get that handed in, and uh, then that's a wrap. And I'm really looking forward to this Mark paper because, like I said last week, my brain is overflowing with Mark stuff. I mean, we've been talking about Mark here on the podcast and the blog since August in our discussion group since September, and uh, I got a lot of Mark things swimming around my head, so it'll be good to get that out. Uh, Once it's graded and done, um, I will probably make it into a podcast. I will share it with you and I will also post the written part of it um, on my blog and uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. It'll be sometime in December. Not sure when I'm going to have the time to record something of that magnitude, but uh, we will get it done and it will be up there sometime in December. So good stuff there. Um, Our discussion group on Mark meets online using Zoom every Sunday night, and we are nearing the end of that as well. We have one more um, meeting, and then uh, that will be a wrap for the very first discussion group uh, hosted by the What If Project, and I think it went really well. I definitely learned a few things that I would do again and some things I would not do again, um, different ways to maybe run it next time, Uh, but there will be a new discussion group going up sometime um, early next year. I haven't decided on what day yet what time um, or what we're going to be going through together as a group. I have some ideas, um, and we will see kind of where it goes. So stay tuned for that. Um, I will be sharing it on the website, whatifproject.net, and uh, also on Facebook and various places of social networking online. Anyway, all of that to say, this is episode number 13 Sometimes guys like Moses and Elijah were wrong. Let's talk about Mark chapter 9. Something bizarre and weird happened there. Uh, Mark tells us that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain. And I'm going to read for you this section. It says, He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white. We're talking about Jesus here, obviously. Such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. 
Let us make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, only Jesus. What in the world is going on in this story? This is just a weird story, right? First of all, uh, I think, now this is my opinion. I don't know if anybody else holds this opinion, but I do. I think that more than any other piece of writing in the Bible, okay, I'm talking more than Revelation, more than Jesus' words in Matthew 24, where he talks about everything crashing down and the temple falling and all this stuff, more than the, the words of the prophets concerning the, quote, end times, if you want to call it that. I think that this story, this one, is a picture of where the whole thing, everything, is headed. An illustration of what the entire universe is moving towards. It's not headed towards destruction. It's not headed towards ruin. The universe isn't headed towards fire and flames. It's headed full speed towards renewal. And I think that the story of Jesus being transfigured is an illustration of that great promise of everything one day being transfigured. After all, this is what the prophets spoke of, right? Long ago, all throughout the Old Testament. Like in the book of Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, the poet says that people are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion because so great is his unfailing love. People are not cast off by the Lord forever. Let that mess with your theology, right? That's what it says. People are not cast off by the Lord forever. Hosea 6, it's about restoration. Joel 3, restoration. Nahum chapter 2, restoration. Zephaniah chapter 2, restoration. Zechariah chapter 3, restoration. Micah chapter 7, restoration. I mean, I could keep going. But the point I want to make to you is that restoration is a dominant theme in the Old Testament. Yeah, there's talk about fire, there's talk about judgment, there's all that in there. But the images of judgment and fire were not seen, they were not seen as devices that would lead the world and the godless people of the world to a place where they could never come back from, but to a place where the evil and the darkness would be melted away, leaving them transfigured and dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. But you're thinking, what about Revelation, right? What about the doom that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24? What about the prophets and all the apocalyptic literature, right? We're watering down the gospel, right? There's a lot I could say there. <laughs> but the biggest thing is that I think we've really misunderstood those words, those stories, those books, those passages, and what those writings mean. We've misapplied them to some future faraway setting and have therefore come away with a picture of God in his heart, that is greatly, greatly different than reality. Because you see, you see, God isn't waiting for the world to burn up. His hands aren't on a trigger, you know, waiting to release fury on all the messed up people of the world. God isn't waiting to send the masses to hell and only a handful of good ones to heaven. That's not God's heart. Read the Bible. Right? God's heart is for renewal. It is for transfiguration. 
I think that the picture that we see in Mark 9 is where the whole universe is headed. I mean, sometimes it feels like it's spiraling out of control. Sometimes it feels like evil and darkness are winning, but, but Mark 9, it's a promise and a reminder that renewal and restoration will win in the end. A couple other things. Um, I think that the story in Mark 9 is a reminder that Jesus' words trump all other words from all other times, from all other people, all other prophets, all other writers, all other poets, and all other preachers. Uh, Jesus' words trump everybody else's. I think it's funny that Mark says that Peter didn't really know what to say, and so he suggested that they build some houses for Jesus and Moses and Elijah to hang out in. Let's make three dwellings, he said. Let's make three tents, three houses for you guys. You could be neighbors, right? And I wonder, I wonder what was really going through Peter's mind. Because remember last week, uh, we talked about how when Jesus told the disciples that he would soon die, Peter's feathers, remember, he got really, they really got ruffled. Like Peter, the disciples, all of Israel, they were waiting for the promised Messiah who would come on a horse holding a sword and would kill all of Israel's enemies. The Messiah was supposed to do the killing, not be killed. So Jesus is like, I'm going to die. And in Peter's mind, Jesus had a little bit backwards, right? And so he told Jesus to stop with the crazy talk, right? Jesus, you got to stop talking like this. To which Jesus replied and said, get behind me, Satan. And so here on this mountain... Peter sees Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, the Old Testament prophets. And maybe he thought to himself, man, I knew I was right, right? Moses and Elijah, they've come down from heaven to to show Jesus what's up, to put him in his place, remind him of, of what the Messiah is really supposed to do. So let's make them comfortable. Let's not rush this. Hey, Jesus, I'm gonna build some houses so you guys can take your time and not rush, We'll put a fire pit out in the back. You guys can hang out here tonight, right? That way Moses and Elijah can have a place to stay and make sure you do everything the way you're supposed to do it because you've got it backwards, Jesus. I wonder if that's what was going through Peter's mind. Who really knows? What I do know, though, is that God immediately cut Peter off, shouted down from heaven, and said, this is my son. Listen to him. You see, Peter was trying to bring Jesus up to the level of Moses and Elijah by making them all houses to dwell in, but God elevated Jesus way above everyone else and declared that he and he alone is the one who needs to be listened to and obeyed. He didn't say to find a healthy balance between the three, listen to some of Moses here, some of Elijah there, a little bit more of Jesus here. No, he said, this is my son. What comes out of his mouth, listen what he does do right? Listen to him. Where Moses says to practice capital punishment and stone adulterers in Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10, God says, listen to Jesus. And Jesus says in John 8 chapter 7, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And let he who has never sinned throw the first stone at this woman who has been caught in adultery, right? Don't stone her. I don't care what Moses said in Leviticus. Don't do it. Right? Where Elijah calls down fire from heaven to destroy his enemies in 1 Kings 18.38, God says, listen to Jesus, and Jesus says, love your enemies in Matthew 5. The Pharisees would quote Moses and Elijah over and over and others to condemn people of their world. 
who fell short of their standards, but Jesus said something else. Even James and John, remember, encouraged Jesus to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans like Elijah did to the prophets of Baal, right? In Luke chapter 9, verse 54, but Jesus rebuked them. In chapter 9, verse 55, I don't care what you say Elijah did in the Old Testament. I don't care that he called down fire on people. We're not doing that anymore. And so I think the story of the transfiguration of Jesus is a reminder that if we read the Bible and we come away with something concerning God and what God wants us to do that is directly um, opposite or not directly found in the life of Jesus, then we're reading it wrong. And I say this because horrible things, horrible things have been done by people who have taken biblical words and stories from outside of the life and teaching of Jesus and have misapplied those things to contemporary settings, completely ignoring the things that Jesus said in response to those things. Right? People quote all the time the fire coming down from heaven on the prophets of Baal, but they ignore the fact that Jesus said we're not going to do that anymore when Peter, James, and John suggested that they do the same thing to the Samaritans. Right? We're not doing that anymore. That's over. Right? In, in our past, in our history, wars have been started. Genocides have happened. Hurtful things have been said. Tribes have been destroyed. Blood has been shed. People have been tortured. People have been excommunicated from the church, all in the name of God and the prophets. This is what the Bible says, right? All the while, the life and the words of Jesus have been ignored. And so the lesson, again, is that Jesus' words and life and teachings trump everyone else's. And then if we come away with something from the Bible concerning God and what God wants us to do that is not directly reflected in the life and teaching of Jesus, then we need to go back to the drawing board because we're reading it wrong. Jesus is the only one who deserves to have a house set up in his honor, and that house ought to be our lives. The very place where his love and his grace and his mercy and his compassion can be shared with our world. Everyone, everywhere. And we need to read the words of the prophets and the words of the Bible through the lens of Jesus' love and his grace and his compassion, not the other way around. He is the exact 100% representation of God because he is God. And the life of Jesus shows us, if it shows us anything about God at all, it shows us that God's heart is for the restoration and renewal of all things. Even the things, even the people, even the places that we thought or have deemed to be beyond help, those are the people that Jesus says, they, they, we can go to them. They have the ability to be restored, right? They are not left out. You might have cast them away. They might have wandered away. Doesn't matter. Let's go get them. Let's bring them back, right? The whole thing, the whole universe is headed towards restoration and renewal. Yes, that's good. That's really good stuff. This, guys, is episode number 13. Um, Episode number 13. Sometimes guys like Moses and Elijah got it wrong. Uh, Lots to chew on there. Lots to think about. hope it encourages you, challenges you. Uh, Reach out to me on Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Leave some comments. Tell me what you're thinking. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by the What If Project podcast today. It was great to have you here. And I really just appreciate your your support. And hey, if this encouraged you at all, if it challenged you, if it pushed you, 
uh, challenging your perspective and how you understand the Bible, uh, I would just ask that you head over to your podcast uh, listening platform of choice, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening to this now, and uh, leave some feedback, leave a rating. Um, Those ratings definitely help because it helps uh, bump the podcast up a little bit in iTunes, um, and it gives people also a little bit of a kind of a look as to what to expect when they read what other people are saying about it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fantastic. Also head over to the Facebook page and um, you can go to Facebook, type in What If Project, the page will pop up, give it a like, feel free to join in whatever kind of discussion may be going on there. And also keep an eye out uh, for the upcoming online small group. Right now we're in the middle of one for Mark. Uh, There will be coming another one later on, probably very early in the new year. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, all of the things will be up, pointing you in the right direction, and it would be great to see you there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.